Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. No matter where I go, home will always be my favorite place to visit. And no, I'm not talking about the house I live in now with my husband, even though that is near the top of my list. I'm talking about home, Eastern Kentucky. If you have been a longtime listener of the show, you know that both Allison and I have a deep-rooted love for our hometowns. For me, driving up my hauler allows me to let go and release so much tension I bear without even realizing I had such a load on my shoulders. While each visit's special on its own, Nothing compares to Eastern Kentucky during a holiday. Rain, sun, sleet, or snow, I will make it home for the holidays. There's nothing like sitting around my mammy's kitchen table laughing, making rolls, and eating with my family. Family is such a strange and beautiful thing. My mom often compares families to quilts. She says that we're sewed together, each piece or person connected to the next, and that even though we may unravel some, and some squares might fade after dozens of trips to the washer. We're one unit, strong and united under the love we share for each other, and at the same time, left broken or unraveled, as my mom would say, when someone on our quilt fades away. My mammy quilts by hand quilts for each of her grandchildren and her children for special occasions, weddings, babies, graduations, and sometimes just because she can. What is the most devastating is when a new quilt fades quickly. The new pieces start to slip away with each wash, and your heart breaks a little each time you have to run it through the washer again. Then finally, you can't take looking at all that love unravel, and you put it away for safekeeping. How nice would it be if we could store our loved ones away for safekeeping too? If you notice them fading, you could just put them in a cedar chest with all your precious things, but our world doesn't work that way. And sometimes, as we have come all too accustomed to, some young pieces in our quilt are unraveled from the rest too soon. When a 14-year-old girl is snatched off the sidewalk and found dead hours later, it hurts. The threads that were holding a family together are ripped apart and the patching begins. But as any quilt maker knows, patches never blend like they should, and families never heal when death knocks at the door. This is the story of Nancy Eagleson. Welcome to Coffee in Cases, where we like our coffee hot and our cases cold. My name is Allison Williams. And my name is Maggie Dameron. We will be telling stories each week in the hopes that someone out there with any information concerning the case will take those tips to law enforcement so justice and closure can be brought to these families. With each case, we encourage you to continue in the conversation on our Facebook page, Coffee in Cases Podcast. And to follow us on Instagram at Coffee Cases Podcast and on TikTok 
at Coffee and Cases podcast. Because as these families know, conversation helps to keep their missing family member in the public consciousness, helping to keep their memories alive. So sit back, sip your coffee, and listen to what's brewing this week. You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k, and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. Allison, I know I've said it before, but it seems that we are covering so many children's cases um, since we started doing these lesser-known cases. And it breaks my heart. Yeah, I know we talked about it with the Erica Baker case that you covered, too. I know. And it, like I said, it makes me sad. But at the same time, I am glad that, you know, we're covering cases that not many people have heard of. And today's case, if I'm being honest, was one that I had never heard of. Um, and research was really slim on this one. Um, mm-hmm. And I know you talked about that last week. Um, it was really similar. Like I could only find, I think, two articles from around the time it happened. And then some from like more recent things that have taken place. But there were like really no articles that I found that were like, here's a list of suspects or here's someone that they thought were was involved. So it was, this one was difficult to research. But yeah, like her story was so brutal and upsetting that I felt that it had to be covered. Mm-hmm. So listeners be warned. Um, we will be discussing rape and some other just like kind of gruesome details in today's episode. So just know going in, we're going to be talking about some sensitive topics. Right. So listener discretion is advised. Yes. Nancy was just like every other 14-year-old girl back on November 13th of 1960. And I say that she was like, any 14 year old girl, but I guess I could really just say she was like any girl because (laughs) Nancy had talked her mom into buying her a pair of new high heel shoes. That's like right up my alley. (laughs) And she was so excited. Um, And Allison is the sporter of high heels. She wears them every day to work and she's a superhero. (laughs) I know there's so many people are like, how are you doing this? And I'm thinking, because I have to. Yeah. <laughs> I even have a tape dispenser that looks like a high heel tube. <laughs> and she always dresses so cute. And then I'm like in my kids tennis shoes. <laughs> <laughs> so I get Nancy's excitement. Yeah. So she was super excited to like she was getting ready to sport these new high heels to church that day. Um, and she being 14 uh, actually helped in the nursery at her church, with, which I thought was kind of cool. Yeah. Um, I know, like you said, high heel shoes excite you. Nothing really excites me more than Krispy Kreme donuts and a new okay, pair well, of I shoes. Okay, well, I get that excitement too. <laughs> and I, I know, that one. and I know, Allison, that um, you teach kids that are a little older than me, but your little sooth hound is not too much younger than Nancy. And I know kids that age love showing off their new shoes at school absolutely they walk weird so they don't get creases like they're obsessed yes um and i'm sure people to notice yes oh yeah they do and like they kind of get upset if you don't say something right yeah because then they'll be like 
Mrs. Williams, do you like my new shoes? Yeah. Like, how have you not noticed? Yeah. Didn't you see my new shoes, Miss Tamron? <laughs> <laughs> so I'm sure Nancy had plans to not only show these shoes off at church on Sunday, but also at school on Monday. Mm -hmm. um, but sadly, she would never get the chance to show her friends at school her new shoes. Mm. So while the rest of the town was getting ready for Thanksgiving weekend, and I know that we have a lot of international listeners, um, but Thanksgiving is an American holiday and we celebrate, I think it, it's originally a celebration of like the pilgrims survival through winter, but we basically in my household starve ourselves approximately 12 <laughs> hours before dinner <laughs> so that we are able to eat a huge plate of delicious foods. Yes. When Maggie says huge plate, I know your house is much like mine. And I'm telling you, I make turkey and ham yes. and there's cranberry sauce and there's stuffing and mashed potatoes and gravy and corn and green beans and sweet potato casserole and rolls and probably a couple more sides that I'm forgetting. And then there's dessert. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so that's, and I mean, you can't leave a dish out. So, yeah. So, hence the reason you have to starve yourself so that mm -hmm. we can be gluttonous right. and eat our weight in food. <laughs> um, so, Nancy and her little sister Cheryl um, were planning not only to enjoy the Thanksgiving dinner that was coming up, um, but their most immediate plans were they were going to watch a new movie at the local movie theater. Okay. According to a newspaper in Paulding County Progress, Nancy's parents were making her favorite meal, pork chops and hominy for dinner, and Nancy and her sister were planning to go to the movie. And her mom had agreed to let them stop by Johnson's restaurant to grab Cokes after the movie, like on their way home. And she had those new shoes that she was wearing. So she's having like the best day. Uh, sounds amazing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like one good thing after another. Exactly. Um, so after dinner, it was just a typical day at Nancy's house. Nancy's dad went into the living room and her mom in this article recalls her staying in the kitchen, just talking with her mom. Um, or she recalls Nancy staying in the kitchen, just talking with her until she decided to go to her room to write letters to her pen pals. Oh, I loved that. I know. And I did you write pen pal to pen pals in school? Yes. I remember like particularly in third grade, I don't know how our teacher set it up, but we all got a pen pal and I actually wrote back and forth with my pen pal for almost the entire year. Like, oh yeah. A lot longer than all the other kids did. Yeah, we did it in, it was fourth grade. And I had two who were from California. Cool. That I used to write to. I loved that. that because it was so exciting to like get something in the mail. Yes, exactly. Yes. <laughs> Pre-technology, pre we looked forward to the pen pal letters that came in the mail. That's right. Um, so Nancy was scribbling away and Cheryl was preparing to watch that movie, which was called David and Bathsheba, which I have never heard of. No, but apparently it's based on the Bible story. Yes. But that sounds a little scandalous for 14 year olds. Well, they said that it's based it was, on that Bible story. Yeah. And they said it was like a hit at that time. But, huh. and Cheryl is younger than Nancy. I think in some articles I read, she was like five or six. Oh, maybe it's a cartoon. 
Maybe. Maybe it leaves out the fact that, you know, David sent Bathsheba's husband into battle to be killed so he could sleep with her. Yeah. I mean, maybe it leaves that part out. Yeah. The the whole point (laughs) of the story. Yeah. (laughs) So in my mind, um, I picture all of this taking place much later. Um, But actually, Nancy and Cheryl were on their way home from grabbing their soda around 7.20 p.m. So I'm guessing that, like, they had an early Sunday dinner and they caught, like, a matinee showing mm-hmm. yeah like maybe eat at like four thirty or 5 yeah go to a movie yeah and from my research it appears that nancy's house was not too far from the movie theater or the restaurant because nancy and her little sister walked at least i know walked home after drinking their cokes and i'm assuming they walked to the movie theater as well okay so basically her mom she didn't take them. She just said, you can stop by Johnson's restaurant to get the Cokes. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. Because they live close. Yeah. And again, we say this all the time. It was a different time. Yeah. There's a lot I more mean, like walking, you know, where you need to go. Like I picture Leave It to Beaver. Right. The, when it's 1960. Yeah. Or like Brady Bunch or something. Yeah. And from a quick Google search, Paulding, Ohio seems like... um like a town like that it looks like somewhere where everyone knows everyone which is why i'm sure that her mom felt comfortable letting 14 year old nancy and her little sister walk to the movies um cheryl recalled that as they passed over flat rock creek a car passed them and the girls took no notice so i'm assuming they were used to walking i would be Mm -hmm. freaking out if a car passed me but i'm from the sounds of it, they're used to this. Right. And plus 14. I mean, that's usually the age. I think I was babysitting other people's kids around mm-hmm. that age. Yeah, I know for sure I was babysitting my cousin at that time. So you're a little more independent. Right. So, And that makes sense that mom would feel comfortable letting Nancy go with her little sister. Mm-hmm. But when a second car slowed as it approached them and stopped, the girls, I'm sure, began to worry. Uh, I'd be freaking out. Yes. And sadly, Allison, Nancy was pulled into that car as Cheryl ran away screaming for help. Oh, and poor Cheryl. I mean, you know, if you're that young, you're not. All you know is fear. Yeah. And which props to her, because despite the fact that she was young and like I said, um, some newspaper reports said that she was five. Um, I couldn't verify that anywhere, though. I just know she was younger than Nancy. Um, mm-hmm. She knew to run to an adult's house. So she quickly ran to a neighbor's house and told them that a man with glasses had pulled Nancy into a light colored car. So she even remembers some of what he looked like and the color of the car he was in. That's actually very impressive. I know. Because, again, you know, in my head, I would imagine, you know, a five-year-old would just be so afraid that they they wouldn't even, like, take in those details. So, mm-hmm. the fact that she remembered that stuff and knew to go to an adult's house, obviously, their parents taught them well what to do. Mm-hmm. And unlike most of our cases where the search for the victim can go on for days, weeks, months, and sometimes years, um, the same cannot be said for sweet Nancy. Sadly, Nancy's body was found only about five and a half hours after she was reported missing by two raccoon hunters in like a secluded wooded area. Oh my gosh. Yeah, and I actually talked with... um, 
Nancy's younger, younger sister, Meryl, who wasn't, um, from, if I'm remembering correctly from our conversation, I don't think that she had been born yet um, uh-huh. when Nancy had disappeared. And she said that her mom um, could even like could vividly tell the story to the point that she had felt like she had been there. Like she, her Gosh. mom just never forgot anything and could vividly remember all those reports. Well, and, you know, I talk all the, it, no matter what happens to your loved one, I can't imagine the grief that you go through. Mm-hmm. And for Nancy's mom, it's almost like, you know, for those who have missing and murdered loved ones for whom it's like years before any developments, I feel like they at least eventually get to the point where they allow themselves to consider the fact that maybe their loved one is no longer alive, but five and a half hours, like that wouldn't even be something that would cross my mind yet. Like I would Mm -hmm. still be thinking my child is out there somewhere. I just have to find her. Yeah, exactly. I would not even be thinking that she had been uh, murdered. Right. And Nancy had not like, I don't know why Nancy's case, because we've covered a lot of cases, but her case, I'm like, I really, like, want to know, I want Nancy to have justice, I want her family to have peace, and I know we mm-hmm. always want that, but, like, mm-hmm. something about her case just really pulls at me. Um, Nancy had been shot in the face. That's oh how she gosh. died. So, like, no, I can only imagine how terrified she is anyways to be in this situation and then to literally stare down the barrel of the gun that's going to kill you right and as if that wasn't horrific enough she had also been raped before she was murdered oh my gosh and from what i read online it seems that everyone agrees all the like professionals agree that her abductions was a means just to sexually assault her like Mm. there was no other reason that they would have abducted her um nancy was carrying a purse that night with you know with her little high heels and a scarf Mm -hmm. and things like that but all of those items like i could not find in the articles from the time period that said if they had done anything with those articles, I could only find an article that had said throughout the years, those items had disappeared. Had disappeared. Yes. Yeah. And I'll talk, I know it's so weird and I will talk more about it because it comes into play. Like at least in my mind, it comes into play big time. Yeah. That seems awfully suspicious. Yeah. Um, I agree. And police had, other than the things that, like, that Cheryl was able to tell them, they have little to no evidence to go on. They recovered nothing from the scene of the crime. So, you know, no tire marks, no footprints, nothing. And so... So all they know is glasses, light-colored car. Yeah. And if it weren't for Cheryl, they, I don't even think they would have had that much to go on part of me wonders like if this case had happened at a later time because this is 1960 would we have like would we be further along in the case because we have so Mm -hmm. many advances today 
like, you know, DNA testing wasn't a thing in 1960. So I'm wondering if, you know, the outcome could have been different. Right. Or even like street cameras. Oh, yeah. Or like home, people's home security cameras. Right. Something. I hadn't thought of that. According to area slaying victim to be buried today, Paulding County Sheriff John Keller, who was the sheriff at the time, had a list of possible suspects and they were all criminals in the area. Um, and I, when I talked to Merrill, she actually said that um, polygraphs were given to several of the suspects and apparently the suspect list was a long list. Um, oh. I never saw anywhere in like a news article where there were named suspects. Um, okay. I found some stuff in blogs and I'm going to talk about that. Um, but like none of the articles that I were able, that I was able to find listed suspects, but she said that there, there was a long list of suspects. So wow. most people in the town, so this town is around 2,500 people. So it is tiny. Yeah. That's super small have their own idea of what they think happened to Nancy, but none of them could figure out who in their town would want to kidnap, rape, and, mor and murder a 14-year-old girl. Right. Like, I Yeah, but, I mean, even the act, obviously I know a stranger could sexually assault a girl. And I guess, you know, I think we talked about it with the alphabet killer, you know, um, mm -hmm. The, the one who was strangled from the front. So mm -hmm. I don't even, at, at, on the one hand, it seems like to be shot, especially in the face, seems very personal. But mm -hmm. I know that there are times when it's not. So I guess it's hard because you don't even know if this is a local or an outsider. Right. Um, and the sheriff at the time, like I said, had a list of suspects and a list of persons of interest. And he said in that article I mentioned above that he would be, quote, questioning those people concerning their whereabouts on the day that Nancy was abducted and murdered. Okay. And so at least find out, like, where were you? Do you have an alibi? Exactly. Exactly. Um, and in that same article, Keller actually said that he had contacted Chicago police, which this was weird to me, about oh. a similar murder in the Chicago area. And it seems that this victim had been found in a wooded area and had been raped. And I guess he wanted to compare notes with that, that case to see if maybe we were looking at like a serial killer type thing. Uh -huh. um, but for my research, it appears no connection was ever established between the two of those. That seems, well, the only reason I guess it seems bizarre is I feel like a lot of law enforcement agencies, even now, it takes them a long time to ever get to that point where they're even considering like similar cases in other areas because there's not that communication and sharing about cases between law enforcement agencies like there should. Mm -hmm. But for this case to be in 1960 mm -hmm. and he's contacting them, that. That seems out of the ordinary. And I think some, some people in the town would agree with you because there are three, like, theories to Nancy's killer. One okay. is that Nancy's death was due to a traveler who was passing through the area. So she was just, like, a happenstance type death. Like, she just happened to be in the wrong place at the wrong time. 
But others think that it was a local man. So maybe someone who knew her or would have at least known the area because of where her body was put. Okay. Because again, it's rural. Mm -hmm. So just like we talked about last week with Clarice's case, the fact that that was a rural road that really only locals would go down. Yeah. How would a stranger to the area know that this is a secluded wooded area? I mean, I guess you could drive by and see it, but especially if it's off the beaten path, you wouldn't necessarily. Yeah, and it's not like they had GPS in 1960, and he, they, right. he or she could drive and then put their address to get back home in a GPS. Like, I feel like they would need to know where they're going. Heck, I get lost downtown. You Me know, too. In the city. I'm like, wait, all these one-way roads are me confusing too. me. And Anthony will be like, we've driven down here like 50,000 times and I still have to tell you where to turn. I'm like, yes, sir, you do. Yep. <laughs> um, and there are still others, Allison, that think that this person who did this to Nancy was someone who was very close to the case. Close as in law enforcement? Close as in many believe that a deputy sheriff was who killed, raped, and shot Nancy. And actually, when I talked to Meryl, she said, quote, the town believes the sheriff done it, end quote. She even said, Nancy campaigned for him and knew him well. Oh. But I read everything that I read said that it was a deputy sheriff and not the sheriff that I Mm -hmm. mentioned above. But Mm -hmm. like I said, research was really slim on this. So they could be talking about the same people. When right. I say the sheriff and the sheriff she was referring to. Well, so, I know you're probably going to get into it, but the fact that you said that some of the evidence disappeared over the years, mm-hmm. I get why some people believe the theory. Just, you just wait. Just oh, no. wait. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Um, so, like I said... I was unable to find anything that like talked in detail about this deputy being a suspect, Mm -hmm. Um, but it is mentioned briefly in a few blogs and articles I read. And so I wanted to go ahead and talk about it. Um, But, you know, sleuth hounds just know going in that, like I said, I did not find this on any news like station or reliable like article. Right. And even, I guess, her sister Meryl basically said, it's the rumor around town. Right. Okay. 
So, like I said, there are those who speculate that a deputy was behind Nancy's attack and death. And after reading some recent articles, and like you picked up on Allison, I can see why this theory holds after all of these years. Um, I first stumbled upon this theory in an article in New Centennial by Leo Morris. And he actually mentioned Nancy in the closing. Like his article wasn't like devoted to Nancy, but he mentions her in the closing. Mm-hmm. Um, his article is about like armed police officers in school. And this okay. is what he says about Nancy. Quote, we really don't want armed cops in our schools. They have incredibly high divorce rates and an incredibly high rate of child abuse. Am I the only one who remembers little Nancy Eagleson kidnapped and found that night about five miles away by raccoon hunters? The girl was naked with signs of having been raped. Sheriff John Keller said he knew who did it, but he didn't have the evidence to charge him. Of course, one of his deputies was driving a car that matched the description of the kidnapper's vehicle. And golly gee, when I saw Deputy Scarborough waiting in his parked car about three days later, I complimented him on his attractive new seat covers. He immediately decided he needed to go somewhere, but he moved his car to a different parking space less than a block away, end quote. Oh my goodness. So there's There's so much in that quote to unpack, like the fact that there's a high rate of child abuse no idea about that fact yeah i've never heard that fact and then the fact that this newspaper writer is saying he saw the deputy sheriff who many believe was involved who has a car who looks identical to that that cheryl noted and he has new seat covers which means there could have been something on the seat Okay, that's what I said. So that's exactly what I was thinking when I read this, because this quote to me makes it appear that days after Nancy's death, this deputy got new seat covers, which is always a bad sign. Like, what the heck are you trying to cover up? Days I've after never a girl is seat murdered. Covers. Yeah, ever. Yeah, so that's weird. So it's weird that you know one he's got the new seat covers two his car matches the description the sister gave mm-hmm. and it's weird that he was never brought in for questioning mm, that is weird so many blame the sheriff saying he did nothing to this deputy despite all of the evidence that he could have potentially had against him i mean i do think that i know like i'm sure it's kind of like a brotherhood sisterhood right Mm -hmm. with law enforcement like feeling the need to protect your own Mm -hmm. but at the same time if there seems to be all this evidence and there are so many similarities then i agree that he should have been questioned yeah at least brought in for questioning yep So, Allison and Sleuthhounds, as I mentioned before, there are several recent articles about Nancy's case, and I want to spend a little bit of time talking about the events that have transpired since 1960. Okay. And by recent, I mean most of these were published around like 2013. Oh, that is pretty recent, Mm -hmm. though. Mm Mm-hmm. So apparently this old jailhouse in Paulding was sold in early 2013 to Jeff and Cassie Hollis, and their plan was to work on restoring the jail and to offer overnight paranormal investigations. Mm, Nope, I'm out. Yeah, this is a pass for me. Like, mm mm-mm. Yeah, mm mm-mm. That scares me to death. 
like the one thing I can always remember my mom saying to me growing up was that if I put good thoughts into my head, good thoughts would come out. And that has like stuck with me over the years. So while I love true crime and I love true crime broadcasts and a true crime documentary, you will not find me watching anything like demonic scary on TV or going into places that are haunted. Like I just am not about exposing myself to that. Yeah, I am with you one hundred. Like, there's there's no way I would play within a Ouija board. Oh no, nope. nope. There's no way. Like near us in is it Louisville that there's the yeah Waverly uh, what's Hills. It called? Yes, Waverly Hills. Nope. And they say there's all kinds of paranormal. Nope, because I honestly think, you know, I feel like I'm right about this. I would think that a demon isn't going to go after somebody who's already evil. A demon's right. probably going to try to go after somebody who is innocent. And I don't want to be that person. Yeah, no, so I'm just not going to put myself in that situation. It's a pass right. for me. That's right. But it was reported that several odd and peculiar things have both happened and been found inside this jailhouse. Okay. One thing that was found was a tiny black high heel shoe. Uh, like Nancy's new shoes? Yes, because what had Nancy been so excited about wearing the day that she was killed? Her high heels. Yeah, like her mom had literally just bought her a new pair of high heels and if you remember from earlier in the episode, I said that many pieces of evidence from Nancy's case had like disappeared or gone missing. See, those things should be like logged into evidence, like That's files, folders, boxes. That is what I thought. But her purse, her dress, her scarf, and other personal belongings of Nancy had like simply disappeared, despite the fact that they should have, like you said, been stored safely in this jail. Hmm. And when it I say disappear, me, mm. I know you just what? wait. Oh my gosh. So when I say disappeared, I literally mean disappeared. Nancy's shoe wasn't found in like the back of a filing cabinet or in a drawer and like a discarded desk or dresser. Nancy's shoe, a piece of fabric, which I believed to be from her dress, but couldn't verify that. And a license plate what were found according to time's bulletin in the process of this restoration a crew working in the basement knocked out part of a wall underneath a vent and behind that wall was a narrow passageway between what? stone walls okay i'm creeped out okay they began leveling the dirt on the floor and uncovered the shoe the material and the license plate Okay, this whole theory about the deputy sheriff then is feeling to me more and more accurate. That's because what I'm saying. Like, yeah, like pieces of evidence were taken one by one and like buried so that they would never be found. Because why the heck else would it be like you couldn't get to it until you'd knocked out part of a wall under a vent. Yeah. And like passageway, are we talking like crawl space? Oh or my are we gosh, talking that like creeps me out. 
Me too. Like it's crazy. Yeah, these these items have obviously been placed there. Right. Th- there's no way it goes from being in in a box safely filed to in a passageway behind a wall under a vent. These items were placed there by someone and I would imagine that the only people who have access to the evidence are law enforcement officers. Exactly. We know that whoever placed these items they were clearly hiding them, right? And we know it had to have been someone who had access to both the evidence and the building. And the only people that would have that access, I feel like, would be the people that, like, the officers that worked there. Yeah, that's what I would think. And so either these are Nancy's, and that gives us a hint in her case, or they're somebody else's. And again, there's another unsolved mystery out there that we don't even know. But I'm telling you right now, those items had to be placed. And I would think it would be the deputy. That's what I think. Um, And Allison, we know for sure that that shoe was Nancy's. Oh, so yep. The Eagleson family was actually contacted and asked what color and size Nancy's shoe was. And then they were told that a similar shoe had been found and that it was believed to possibly have been Nancy's. Mm -hmm. Um, Obviously, um, in the article that I read, like, this wasn't like, you know, them trying to raise, like, any hopes, but they wanted the family to know that something had been discovered. Mm-hmm. Um, the Eagleson family then contacted the people that had bought the jail and made an appointment to go and see the evidence. And Nancy's mother um, was asked before they showed her the shoe by her daughters to describe the shoe. And okay. the shoe was placed in a plastic bag and taken out after the mom had given her description. And then her description matched the shoe before she even knew what the shoe that she was getting ready to see looked like. Mm-hmm. And she positively identified the shoe as being the one that Nancy was wearing. Wow. Yeah. Now, again, we need a sleuth hound out there who's like, I don't know, a forensic expert. Mm-hmm. But I want to know how long fingerprints can last. And if these items were found... I wonder if the workers like picked them up. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then had, some, because again, if I see a shoe, okay, I might not touch it if it's, you know, under a vent behind a wall in a passageway. Cause I might be like, <laughs> uh, this is something criminal. But if I'm like cleaning out a place and there's a shoe, I'm not thinking, oh, this could be a clue. This could be evidence. Right. And I might pick it up, but I wonder if, if they hadn't touched it, if fingerprints could be on it from that long ago. I well, wonder. they actually, I'm not sure, but I do know that they actually contacted the current sheriff and um, he actually takes the shoe and the cloth as evidence um, mm-hmm. and told the people restoring the jail to kind of close it off and lot, not let anyone near the items that had been removed. Okay. And they even contacted the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children um, to try to find out, like, what their recommendations would be for handling these fines. Mm-hmm. Um, the organization actually ended up coming to the county not long after that 
um, just to try to investigate Nancy's case. Many people had hoped, like you said, that this shoe and fabric would finally yield answers to the case. And they did send mm-hmm. the shoe out for testing. I didn't read anywhere where they sent the fabric out, but no DNA was found on the shoe. Darn it. Yeah. So we are still left with more questions and no answers. Oh, that makes me so sad for this family to think like, oh my gosh, like here, this was found. I still though, even though there's no DNA on it, and I know obviously that means like there's no solid proof to link the deputy sheriff to Mm -hmm. it. And I'm not even saying it was that deputy sheriff necessarily, but I stand behind my belief that it was someone in that law enforcement office who took those items purposefully and hid them. And they may not have even been the people who like abducted, raped and killed Nancy. They could have been people that were trying to protect like a family member or something like that. But it had to have been someone who worked there that hid those items. Yep, I agree. Nancy still had so much to give the world. At 14, she had her life in front of her. I think all of the what-ifs in her case are what makes it most sad. What if Nancy had been the scientist to find a cure for cancer? What if Nancy had been a pioneer for women's rights? What if Nancy had been the first female president? What Nancy was destined to be will forever be a mystery. Nancy's mother has now passed away, but both of her sisters still fight for justice for Nancy. They hold regular walks in her memory and are still fighting for the answers they so truly deserve. In 2019, this letter to the editor was published. Quote, Dear Editor, Next year will be the 60th year anniversary of the abduction and murder of Nancy Eagleson. Although Nancy's mother passed away in the last year, Nancy's sisters still hope that her murder can be solved with today's technological advances. That hope actually grows stronger. All that's needed is DNA. Can it be obtained? Nothing is impossible. Forensic science may still triumph. It's quite possible that at least one person in the area is becoming more and more alarmed as cold cases, many decades old, are being solved and those responsible are being held accountable. Will there one day be an unwelcome knock on his door? Nancy's remaining family members have decided to move the walk to remember Nancy from November when the crime took place to June, which was Nancy's birth month. Please join friends and family members on Sunday evening, June 30th at 7 p.m. at the former Paulding Theater on Perry Street. From the theater, the walk will proceed approximately five blocks to the abduction site on Flat Rock Drive. In case of rain, please dress appropriately. It's time for answers. Please show support and help celebrate and commemorate a life cut short. Janine Winson. And it is time for answers, sleuthhounds. We need to do what we can to remember Nancy and bring her family the justice and peace they deserve. Anyone who has information regarding this case is encouraged to call the office at 419-399-3791 or visit www.paldingohsheriff.com. Again, please like and join us on our Facebook page, Coffee and Cases Podcast, to continue the conversation and to see images related to this episode. 
As always, follow us on Instagram at Coffee Cases Podcast and on TikTok at Coffee and Cases Podcast. Or you can always email us suggestions to Coffee and Cases Podcast at gmail.com. Please tell your friends about our podcast so that more people can be reached to possibly help bring some closure to these families. Don't forget to rate our show and leave us a comment as well. We hope to hear from you soon. Stay together. Stay safe. We'll We'll see see you next week. week.